1: So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing.
2: Mint Mobile unlimited
1: premium wireless. 80 to get 30, 30 to get 30, 30 get 20, 20 to 20, get 20, 20 get 20, 20 get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. Sold. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: At Leia Healthcare, we always want to give our members more. So now,
3: you get unrestricted access to a world of benefits that will help you stay healthy. From convenient
2: video calls with a GP to get prescriptions online, to easy access to experts when you finally want to do something about your ropey knee or dodgy back. And if you do need to see someone urgently, our
3: clinics are available for minor injuries, all without you needing to put your hand in your pocket. Let's stay on top of your health, in every way. Leia Healthcare. Looking after you always.
2: Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance, limited trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare, limited trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Unrestricted benefits are available until the end of December.
4: Fair usage policy applies. What a guess we've got on today. An absolute legend, Archie Knox. Um, known Archie for under-19s at Scotland, had us in stitches with these stories. I uh, was always desperate to get you on, so thanks for coming on Archie. And you've got a book out as well. Do you want to tell us a bit about that?
3: Yeah, I can do. Um, You know, I'd never had any intentions of doing a book or anything like that. But, you know, my uh, 70th birthday, the big birthday, uh, my two daughters said, why why don't you have a big birthday party for all the people that's helped you in football? It was meant to be only family and friends. Ended up with about 30 people. Ended up with about 150. uh, And then they said, why don't you do a book? You know, uh-huh. and uh, I said, I'm now doing a book, and um, anyway, um, a pal of my uh, pal of my daughter's husband, uh, uh, Roger Hanna, uh-huh. and he said, "Ah, oh, I would write it and that for you." So I was persuaded to do that. So I went on with that, and it's, it's done fairly well, I think. And I think the, the the publishers are wanting to do a a paperback. So. Brilliant. I don't know. You can maybe get a cheap paper back when they're doing about two ninety nine or
4: something. My invite must have got lost for that party. Aye,
3: eh? it did. Aye, <laughs> <I, I, I>. aye.
4: <laughs> did you get that shirt for you or something? I love it, by you. Uh. <laughs> it's a belter. Um, right, this interview. As long as you don't end up sticking these questions up my arse like we chick young, we'll be doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we're going to start out with one of your most famous managerial jewels with, with Sir Alex. Um, how did that come about? with Aberdeen? Did you did you know him beforehand? Uh, I
3: knew him from the coaching courses and stuff, but I didn't. I didn't really know him well. And um, in actual fact, I'd started up when I was player manager at uh, Forfar. I'd started up uh, a Tayside Reserve League, and it was for the benefit of the part-time teams, you know, Forfar Montrose, or all the local teams. And uh, I made up a program of fixtures, and uh, the SFA and that did the referees. The the uh, would phone maybe on a, a Sunday, as your ground available? I will play on Tuesday night training nights for the part-time teams. So that's that's how it, that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I met Alec, and uh, my move to Aberdeen, moved to Aberdeen came one Tuesday night, just right out the blue. Pat Stanton had left Aberdeen; he was going back to Edinburgh to stay then became the manager at uh, Cowdenbeath. So Alec came down He said, hi, how are you doing? And, you know, the, uh, a chat. He says, uh, can I have a word with you? So I went into the office and um, he said, how do you fancy becoming, it's as simple as this, how do you fancy becoming my assistant at Aberdeen? I said, "Oh, that would be great. It'd be great to get back into full-time football. He says, when do you, can you start? I says, tomorrow. He says, all right, OK, come up tomorrow. And they were, Aberdeen were playing 20 Enskide uh in a friendly, pre-season friendly up at Putaudry. So I went up, met uh, Dick Donald, great man he was. I met Dick Donald and uh, I think Chris Anderson, another director at Aberdeen at the time. And um, we just agreed the thing straight away. And uh, I started uh, a week later. I was working with a... Building firm who uh, was uh, Gordon Webster uh, owned Webster and Patillo uh, a building firm in Forth. I was working with them, and uh, so I could leave any time I want. And uh, I, I started m- more or less right away. You know, it was uh, one, of, th- one of these Turkey. ones then only desperate to do it, so wanted to get into football with a, a club in Aberdeen. Obviously, doing very well at that point.
4: Uh, was assistant manager someone else that you wanted to do, or?
3: No, I mean, uh, I'd been player-manager at Forfar for, since I was 28. Mm-hmm. And um, I, then I was now 33. So uh, I'd been there quite some time. And if I hadn't been for a, a chairman I had at, uh, at Forfar, a guy called Sam Smith, yeah, I know I must speak about him because uh, it was him that kept me right, you know, because uh, I was a wee bit fiery in these days, I have to say. And... Uh, Sam Sam kept me. I had a few sort of resignations, and I ah, can't he do any better, and this type of thing. But uh, he kept me right, and uh, it was him that really got me that opportunity to to go to Aberdeen by keeping me right.
4: So when you first met Alex Ferguson, did you get that feeling about him straight away?
3: Oh, you knew he was a winner, you know, then because he'd proved that well the season before I I went, they'd won the league with the the victory at uh, Easter Road. Mm-hmm. So I knew they were well on their well on their way.
4: And what was the what was the deal? Would he, would you take training, or would he, or would you do it together?
3: Well, um, that that was a bit. I mean, I thought I was going up to do the training. So the first couple of weeks uh, I was there, then um, I was really just watching the training, picking the fluff out my belly button sort of stuff. <laughs> so uh, I, it was a fortnight I'd passed, and I said, ah, "I'm going to have to have a word with him." So it was one day after the training. I says, uh, "What did you really bring me here for?" So, but if you question Alec, you know, he would get on the back foot and say, what do you mean? I says, well, you asked me up and, uh, to be the assistant and take the training and that sort of thing. I thought, ah, oh, he says, ah, uh, oh, well, let me have a think about that. So I went away. I was, I was always taking the young boys in the afternoons anyway. I did, I did all that. And uh, he came to me after, after the training uh, in the afternoon. He says, that, that thing you were talking about this morning, he says, right, tomorrow morning, he says, uh, you're in charge of the training. He says, I'll stand and watch the training and uh, you can take it from there. And from then, you know, the time I had at Aberdeen and then I went to Dundee as manager mm. and then went back and then we went to Man United and uh, there was never a problem. I just took the
4: training and, and everything was fine. See, when you were at Aberdeen, would you argue, like, does a good manager and a good assistant, did they argue with each other? Oh, God, I uh-huh. Oh God, aye. Over what team selection usually? Yeah, ah,
3: yeah. Well, you, well, there would be no point in being there if you didn't have your opinion. Uh-huh. You know, and Alec appreciated that. Uh-huh. And uh, so there was no, there was no problem as far as that was concerned. And once he'd settled on the team, then I was fine. You know, then I'd give him a point of view. If he wanted to do something else, then. Obviously, that was his his job.
4: Was that frustrating for you, though, coming from a manager who picked a team every week to being the guy who maybe didn't get the finals No, you
3: just had to accept that. You know, then uh, I never had any problem. I was at my happiest when I was out there and doing the training and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so long as you were getting an input or your opinion in terms of the picking team. I can remember one day then uh, we've picked a team. We've been in, what, Teddy Scott's room. Picked a team, go into the dressing room. And Alex starts to name the team. And uh, I says, that's not the team we had in there. He says, there's three changes in that team. So, you, of course, you couldn't say anything in the dressing room in front of the players. So I'm sitting and saying, and then I'm saying to myself, well, Drew Jarvie, he was in the original team. I says, he's not even on the bench now. So when we get back into the room, uh, I said to Alex, I says, what happened there? And of course he goes, What do you mean? I says, Well, you changed the team. There's three changes in the team. No, I didn't I says, you did. And I named them. He says, No, I only had two. I says, you had three. And I named the three players uh-huh. that were in the original team, you know, that were now on the bench. And I says, and of course, Drew Jarvie, who was in your original team, he wasn't even in he wasn't even on the bench. And he says to me, he says, You need to go and tell one of the young boys he's no playing. So I had to go and call her. <laughs> I go call her, maybe Ian Portis or something like that. I said it was a mistake, he got mixed up in the, who the subs and that were, you so know. So Drew Jarvie was back in. <laughs> Drew Jarvie was back in the base. Brilliant,
4: eh. Did uh, uh, Stephen back in the early days, <clears throat> would he fly off the handle quite a lot? Of, uh, who? Sir Alex.
3: Aye, well there was, uh, there was plenty went on in the dressing room these days, there's no doubt.
4: So would you have been the good cop or were you? Uh,
3: no, 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 I was I was, I was worst cop. Well, yeah. Huh? I, I was as bad a couple as him, I have to say, I never believed in any of that sort of stuff. Where, you know, you put your hand round somebody. That it, what he was saying, I was totally agreeing with. Mm-hmm. What he was saying to a particular individual or the team as a whole and stuff like that. There was one. Wee, there was one wee bit. Uh, we played Celtic mm-hmm. up at Petodre and uh, you, you remember Jimmy Steele, who nah, was a masseur really. at Celtic. Nah. Ah, for years and years he was. The Monsieur at Celtic with Scotland and that as well. Great, great man. So, Alex in the Middle East. Team talk. And the door bursts open. And Steely comes comes barging in. Now, if it had been anybody else other than Steely who Alec knew well, he would, he would have thrown him out. What's happened, Steely? He says, Alec, you'll need to get the fire brigade. He says, Alec, he says, the fire brigade? What are you... There's a place on fire. He says, no, but the
4: players are next door there. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, you know, it was only Steely that would have got away, away with something that, uh-huh. like that.
4: So could you hear a laugh in that one or was it just a of oh, people? Oh, could, no,
3: oh, no, you, you could have a laugh.
4: Uh-huh. Would, the play, would the players be able to have a laugh at you, you and Sir Alex Oh, aye, uh-huh. aye,
3: aye. But when it was serious businesses, it was serious business, you know.
4: Uh-huh. Pergi had already been there a couple of years when you'd been. What had he done to make that team so good?
3: Well, I mean, they had good, uh, they had good players. I mean, the, the basis basically a right good team at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, with Jim Leighton in goal, you had Willie Miller, uh, Alec McLeish, you had uh, Stuart Kennedy, John McMaster, uh, Doogie Rugby, all the back lot were there. And then there was young players coming through uh, on the back of that. And uh, with, the additions, with the additions he made. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that team in '83 that won the Cup Winners' Cup, I mean, I think there was uh, there was about six of them be under 20.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. 20-21. Mm-hmm. So, they got their chance. I mean, that was the one thing. You know, there was never any, you know, if there was an experienced player and we thought a younger player was uh, was going to be doing a better job, then he got in. And the same happened at Manchester United eventually. Mm-hmm.
4: See, when you first seen that team, did you think winning a European trophy was realistic?
3: Never, never even cross your mind no no.
4: when did you start to think it was possible
3: Um, when we got when we got to the final
4: really yeah that
3: it. yeah when we got to the final could you believe that? because we played you know we'd we'd beaten Bayern drew over Bayern and then beat them uh, 3-2 at Mm Pataudri you know big big names and um, and then Alec had gone to see Real Madrid and he said to me whatever you do don't tell the players he says but we've got a great chance of beating them, he says. Isn't he? Because he was an optimistic guy, there's no no doubt about that. He never had any doubts about his team or, or, or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Even in the day where Dundee United were doing well uh, and Rangers and Celtic weren't doing so well at that time. And he had everybody convinced in the place that when they went to Parkhead or went to Ibrox then, you know, you're here to win, you're not here to make up the numbers or anything like that.
4: Is that what made that team so good? Was it tactics oh, or was it just giving the, the, the players confidence well, in themselves? Well, and
3: plus the fact that that part of it, definitely, giving the players the, the confidence in themselves and also that uh, you knew that they were really good players.
4: Uh-huh. How do you give these players confidence? Is it telling them they're good players or is, it, is there a different way? No, of... they've,
3: got to, they've got to produce, uh-huh. you know. And, you know, you give them... And it, it wasn't long, and You know, Alec could do that. You know, one minute you would be giving you a bit of stick, but the next minute... Or the next day it would be, you know, back on your case and saying you're doing really well and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And all these guys had competition for places as well, especially with the young ones coming through. Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking John Hewitt, Eric Black, uh, Neil Simpson, Doogie Bell, uh, Andy Dornan uh, had spells in the team. You know, all, all these guys were starting, starting to force their way into the team
4: I'm just going to name you a couple of players here I just want to tell you what, you, what they were like to work with uh, Willie Miller
3: Willie Miller liked his kip you know uh, if you were ever the coming the <laughs> no never <laughs> on the pitch no but Willie Willie did his training but uh, Willie Willie could um, you know be ordinary at training keep a bit back at training which he didn't mind because he knew fine well whenever he crossed the line on a match day, then you knew what you were getting for Willie Marr, mm-hmm. And it would always be a top level performance, always. Brilliant. Uh, Guest that
4: we've on the show, Gordon Stratton?
3: Gordon the same. Um, Gordon was a good good trainer, great trainer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted, was he to cheeky? Be, wanted to be a footballer. Oh, I always plenty to say. There's mm-hmm. never never any doubt about that. And that's, nothing's changed there. <laughs> uh, but uh, terrific players. No, when you think of that team, you know, Leighton, a back four of Kennedy, McLeish, Miller, Rugveit or McMaster. And then you had Strachan, Bell, Cooper, mm-hmm. who sadly is no longer worse. Um, Peter Weir, that we signed, Mark McGee, Eric Black, John Hewitt. Mm-hmm. So there was an array of talent there that uh, uh, the teams in Scotland couldn't cope with.
4: How good was Neil Cooper. Very
3: good player, very good player. I mean, Neil Cooper, because McLeish and Miller were there, Neil Cooper had come through really in the reserves and that as a centre-half. But, you know, uh, we found a a space for him in in midfield because he was a good tackler and stuff. I think everybody remembers his tackle on uh, Charlie Nicholas. And one of the games against Celtic. Is that the first, couple minutes, uh, first couple of minutes. Seconds, first couple uh, of minutes. First couple of seconds.
4: Was he told to do that?
3: Uh? Ah well, the, the whole week, the whole week, uh, he was he was uh, priming Neil Cooper to get ready, and then he would uh, he would go along. Cooper, you'll be up against Nicholas. He plays off the front. He's a top man for Celtic. He has not to get a kick. Mm-hmm. He never gets a kick in this game. You're responsible for him. So Alec would go about the corridors at Pittori and he would would shout, Cooper! And Cooper had to answer back, Nicholas! (laughs) And it was just a random time, you know, whether Uh they're going away at night or going away in the afternoon or or, or something. And all these guys that were playing in the first team, the Coopers, the Simpsons, the Bell, the uh, Hewitt, uh, Dornan, uh, Black, the whole lot, they were back every afternoon in life. They never got an afternoon off. They never got a day off, you know. They, they, well, there would be days where they wouldn't train, so you wouldn't train them every day. Mm. But they were always in. They got an odd day off. But uh, even when they were in the first team, they were back every afternoon in life for me. That doesn't every happen anymore, night. does it? Well, I don't know, but I mean, I don't think it happens as much. Do you think that's because of that. sports
4: scientists and all that Well, over a, uh,
3: a lot of changes. Uh, yeah. Definitely a lot of changes. But it never did these lads any harm. Yeah. And they and the thoroughly enjoyed it. And was it always be you that would take them out in the I yeah. always took them out what in the was always technique. That's what you did. Mm-hmm. That's what you did. I mean, I used to say to them, <clears throat> even when, uh, well, when you were involved with the 19s mm-hmm. and that, even when I had the, the 21s uh, and the other groups when I was working here at the SFA, I used to have 10, if we were away somewhere, I used to find a place and have a ball and a wall, mm-hmm. right? And I'd have 10, 15 minutes and they would have maybe a bit, about five yards wide up against this wall, and they just kicked it against the wall. They controlled it one foot onto the other, control their track, controlled their chest, cushion it with their head, turned with the ball. They have 10, 15 minutes of that, and I says, that'll help you in your technique. Mm-hmm. Then I used to take them out in the afternoons, and it would be all about that. The ball comes into you, then you see the, the football now. The ball comes into a midfield player, and all right, they might be tighter on them now. I don't know. I don't think so that much. But they would pass it back, the way. I always sort of said to them, look, you've got to get half turned. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can disguise your turn the same as a forward would do and maybe have a switch of play or, or something like that. So that was, the, that was the type of things we worked on.
4: Just getting the basics, right? Aye, absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, you talked about the Real Madrid game. Do you think they underestimated as Real Madrid?
3: I would have thought so, I. Uh-huh. I would have thought so.
4: And how early into that game did you think we were going to beat these?
3: Oh God, uh, no! Until the final whistle went.
4: <laughs> did they have good players? Uh, eh? Did they have good? Oh, players? they had v- very good players uh, as well. Aye, God, aye. What, what did Aberdeen have over them, though? Um, well,
3: it was well. The, the first goal was a rehearsed uh, corner kick, where it was played to the edge of the box, and Big Alec McLeish was away standing maybe twenty-five yards outside the box. And he would run to the edge of the box and we Gordon and put it right in his head. Headed it, it was blocked and Eric Black okay. uh, stuck it in.
4: So you'd worked on that through the I week? I would work uh-huh. on
3: that through the week, aye. And it was the same when we beat Bayern. There was a, a free kick was scored with. And it was a mix-up between Gordon Strachan and uh, John McMaster. And uh, I think Jock Brown was the, the commentator that day and he said... A carefully rehearsed piece of tomfoolery. <laughs> That's how he described the free kick.
4: <laughs> Excellent.
3: But no, these things these things are, all the the basic things were worked on. Mm-hmm. Now you never as you know, you never know when they're gonna work or, or that. But against foreign teams then they weren't they were they weren't used to that type of thing.
4: Did you think that team was good enough to win the European Cup, mate? It's
3: difficult to say, you know then. It's difficult to say. They would, uh, they would, they would have given it a good go. So, no they, they gave it any. Well, that? I mean, uh-huh. I think, I, I think so. Aye. Uh-huh. Yeah.
4: See, at that time, was there other teams trying to get those players?
3: Oh God, aye. And, and aye. There was. Uh, well, we Gordon uh, eventually signed for Cologne, uh-huh. and then that got knocked in the head. Some, uh, I don't know, some sort of technicality that that got knocked in the head, and he ended up signing for Manchester United. Uh, Martin McGee, he went to Hamburg. Uh, Eric Black went to Metz in, in France, you know, over a, a couple of p- years. Big moves, eh? Uh, yeah. Big moves, oh aye. Yeah.
4: Was there a specific point, even in those early days, that you knew Fergie would be a world-class manager?
3: I think right from the world go. World go he had this determination to to succeed that uh, I haven't seen in many people. The, the, there's no doubt. Really? Yeah. He wanted to win at everything. You play him tiddlywinks, he'd want to beat you.
4: And were you the same? I
3: liked I liked winning. When I went to manager at Dundee, right, and I had two and a half years at Dundee, and that was fine. I enjoyed that. And then uh, Alec asked me. I was over at the '86 World Cup with Scotland in Mexico, and he asked me. Then he says, uh, "Would you would you come back to Aberdeen?" And I said, "He says I'll make you joint manager." now. Make you joint manager, whatever. I said, look, I'm not interested in titles. You didn't even make me joint manager. But I decided to do that because I knew fine well at Dundee. We'd done okay at Dundee. And, um, but it was always going to be selling clubs, you know. Robert Connor and John Brown and people like that. And I knew that these guys were capable. There was Cammy Fraser, there was Ian Ferguson. You know, I knew that people came in for them. Then Dundee were a selling club. Mm-hmm. They, they would go. So if I hadn't done as well, then you might be the next one to get sacked. So I was trying to stay ahead of the game, if you like, when he asked me to go back up to Aberdeen. And we were only there six months uh, when the move to Manchester United came along.
4: I just wanted to see that cup final that he's won and he was raging. Were you the assistant manager then? Aye. Aye. See, you yourselves, an assistant, did you not feel like saying, oh, come on, the boys have won the well, cup? Well,
3: I didn't know that that had happened. I, I, I knew nothing about that until the next day or something like that. All
4: oh, right, so you never knew that he was raging no, the no, boys? No, I I no, never,
3: I never... No, he did, he did that in, in front of the cameras. All oh, right, OK. That was about bit where he said that Willie Miller and Alec McLeish had won the cup and okay. the rest of them had done
4: nothing, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> I couldn't believe when I watched that, eh?
3: No, well, that was... That was, uh, that was Alec, I have to say.
4: Uh, would you let the boys celebrate afterwards then? Oh, aye, uh-huh.
3: aye, aye, aye. And in fairness to him, he apologised the next day and, you know said it oh, I was a bit hasty with making all these remarks you know because <laughs> there's no two boys that win a cup for you
4: Brilliant eh uh, So six months in Man United come calling Were you excited by the prospect?
3: Again it was right out the blue and um, I was out training at Seaton Park with the young boys and after you isn't normal and I see his car because he never he never came up to that, that, that training I see his car reversing along at Seaton Park up in Aberdeen See in these days we didn't have a training ground we had no training ground. public train in public, uh-huh. public parts, you know. And if there was other people in the public part, he had to play, you know. Against they them. were in a different, they were in a different bit or or whatever. Mm. And uh, used to have to carry the goals across from a bit across the road and assemble the goals and that type of stuff. So anyway, he comes down and I ran up because my mother had been hadn't been well at the time, and I thought, oh, he's got bad news for me here. So I ran up. And he's winding down the window. He says, uh, we're going to Man United. That was it. We're going to Man United. And uh, he says, do you want to come? I says, well, my wife is a school teacher." I says, well, a wife and two kids. We went no, but, but do you want to come? He says, you'll get offered the job at Aberdeen. He says, I know you'll get offered the job at Aberdeen. He says, what do you want to do? Uh, so I made the decision on the spot there without any consultation or anything. And uh, I says, no, no, I, I, I'll be coming. And uh, I says, when is this taking place? He says, the night. So we went and met Martin Edwards and uh, I think it was Mike, Mike Morris Watkins. It was. Uh, we met in a hotel in Aberdeen, and that deal was done
4: then. For an hours, uh-huh. Aye. And, and I, was... I
3: went there, right? I went there, and I didn't know what it was getting paid or anything. Just trusted him? Aye, you mm-hmm. just.
4: Was there no any he party did, that wanted to take the Aberdeen job?
3: No, because I mean I'd done it. We'd won cups and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. did well at Aberdeen. And uh, how do you back that up? Uh-huh. You can't beat it,
4: really. No, uh, you yeah.
3: can't. You can't beat that. So I'd maybe got two, two or three years of it. Willie Miller, Alec McLeish, all sort of coming to the end. of it. John McMaster, rugby, Leighton. Mm-hmm. They're all sort of getting a bit older and stuff. So. Maybe their best days were past, and that sort of thing. Could Aberdeen recruit that same level of player? Don't think so. No. So straight I, I down to Manchester so. the next day? Well, no, 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 no. I stayed, uh, I stayed for three weeks right. uh, until they appointed Ian Porterfield as the a, as a new manager. Right,
4: OK. And what did you think you united right, when you first went in? The players, the set? Well,
3: I can remember uh, Alex's first game was against Oxford. I think they drew or, or, or something like that. And uh, and he just went on about the team. And then it was him that renamed, know how they've got the the stand, and it's called the Theatre of Dreams. Mm-hmm. It was him that named that. Because he said to me one day, he says, uh, when I was on the phone to him, I was still at Aberdeen time. he says, uh, I'm no kidding he says this place could be an absolute Theatre of Dreams. Alec used to do, you know, sign uh, schoolboys and come and see their parents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. For example, Giggs, when we signed Giggs, he had been from 10 years of age to 14 years of age. We signed him on his 14th birthday whilst he was still at Man City School of Excellence.
4: Did you, huh? Aye, we signed him. Did you know he was going to be a starter here?
3: Well, I've only seen two players that I've been associated with uh, that you would have said at 14, 13 or 14 that uh, they'll make it. They've got... They've got everything in place at 14 years of age. You know, the, the talent. Giggs and who? Giggs and Rooney. Rooney, uh-huh. Aye. I thought you were going to say Well, you were the third one. <laughs> you were the third one. What well,
4: did Giggs, hey, just...
3: Everything. everything. Uh-huh. Aye. Uh-huh. Everything. He had the determination. He was tough enough. He had the pace. He could... It was tied to his foot, you know. Mm-hmm. The dribbling, Rooney had the, the exactly the same. Brilliant, eh? Exactly the same. See, just
4: back on the first team, when you first got down there, he's uh, the exact same as you were in Aberdeen, were you strict to the players straight away?
3: Oh, God, aye. Aye. And how there did was, they find it? See,
4: there was, a,
3: there was a... In British football at that time, there was a drinking culture, you know. You're, you went with your mates after a game and stuff like that and had a few pints and... Mm-hmm. Some had more than others and that type of stuff. And uh, I can remember Alec, after that Oxford game, he says, you're not going to believe this. He says, they get drink on the bus on the way back for your game. He says, I'm stopping that immediately. Because he used to have wine in the fridges and beer and and stuff like that. So he got, he got rid of all that. So they knew right from the word go, you know, It was going to be a stricter regime. And how did did
4: they take to that? Him stopping the drink and being strict. Well, no
3: option, you know.
4: Was there anyone? Uh, There was
3: was a a lucky break for me when maybe what a couple of weeks into when I went down there, and uh, I stopped the training one day. And uh, I think they'd had a night out the night before or something like that. Anyway, uh, I went to Brian Robson and said, "Ah, this is not good enough." I says, "I'm not having this." So I beat the boys away and that sort of thing. I said, get yourselves back to the cliff. I says, and uh, we'll come back at two o'clock and we'll have another go. Nah, we're all right. We'll, we'll be fine in a minute. I said, nah, I'm not having it. So back you go. So went back and Robert went up to see uh, Alec and uh, he's saying, said, ah, Archie's spat, his dummy. out. He's annoyed about the level of the training or the standard of the training. And uh, Alec just said to him, he "says uh, What time did he say you come back?" And uh, Robert says, he's yeah, wanting us back at two o'clock." And Alec just said to him, "Well, I'll be back at two o'clock." Now, if he'd gone the other way and said, "I'll have a word with him and stuff like that," mm-hmm. but he didn't. He just said, "No, just he's come back at two o'clock, and he'll uh, he'll take a training session then."
4: And did Brian Robson change his attitude after it?
3: No, that was the same. They 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 were. I never had a problem with any any of the ones, mm-hmm. you know. Even even you know the, that was only a fortnight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So they knew exactly turn up in time, be there, be on the training ground. They used to have the the watches and that that they would come from little. They would come from the cliff round to another training bit we had uh, called Littleton Road. That's where there was uh, quite a bit six pitches or something, and they had to get round there. In the winter, it would be uh, ten thirty. Uh, during the uh, summer periods or better weather, ten o'clock start, mm-hmm. and they would all be on their watches. And if they weren't there for ten or the ten thirty, I used to send them a couple of laps of the uh, the uh, Road. You know, and uh-huh. they hated that. Then they wouldn't have absolutely... been used
4: to that, they would have. No,
3: no, 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 no.
4: So, see, when they were like that, did you know it would take a while to get it right? Because it doesn't.
3: No, it didn't take any time at all because you know then they were they were into each other. Ah, oh, it's ten seconds late. Get them running out. No, <laughs> they'd be backstabbing Dogging each uh, other. Backstabbing each other. You know. Uh, so uh, no, there was no there was no problem with any of that. Mm-hmm. I never, I never had never had to fall out with them completely or anything. It was just a case, right? I've got a job to do. You've got a job to do. Let's get it together. Let's do it in the proper fashion. Mm-hmm. And there'll not be any problems.
4: But I mean, results-wise, it took a while to get going, didn't it? It took
3: a while to get going. Why do you think that was? Uh, I think it was just a case of sort of getting to know and what players and what we needed to improve and and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because the, that first season we went, then we were in relegation trouble. And uh, but we managed to get clear of that. This first full season we were there, we, we then finished uh, second to Liverpool in the league. Right. Uh, so that was setting up with these same players. Mm-hmm. And then Alex says, they're not going to win us a league. No, You know, because a lot of them were getting older and stuff like that as well. And he wanted to get rid of that drinking culture. He says, right, I'm not having any of that. He says, out the go. So there was a few, a few left at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, Norman Whiteside went to Everton, Paul McGrath. Paul McGrath, he went to Aston Villa. And played another seven years. How good was he Aston a great player or, or, or? Phenomenal player. Never trained. Yep. Never trained. He had the bad knees and that. But uh, when it came to the Saturday and that, he was the same.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: They were all the same on a Saturday. You know, there's, you could never take that away from them. and It never affected how uh, they played, well, how they played mm-hmm. on, on a Saturday.
4: Was, was Robson brilliant as well? Aye,
3: hey? absolutely. Mm-hmm. And a warrior. great trainer. He, Absolute uh-huh. warrior. Uh-huh. Absolute leader.
4: See, when that, the first fifteen months, see, where results weren't going right, did you ever st- stop believing in yourselves, or did you just always think we'll, we'll get this right eventually? Well,
3: we, we hoped that that would be the case because Man United didn't have that money at that time. No, we were we weren't able to go and make big signings, or you know. Then there was a couple of Danny Wallace, and well, we, we, a, a bit later than that, actually, uh, signed Steve Bruce and signed uh, Gary Pallister. So, great our, name, first, our, first ever, our first ever signing was uh, Brian McClare. Wow. Uh, Chalky was the first ever signing. And he was the first player the first season he was there to have scored 20 league goals for Man United in the last 20 years.
4: Was he that good Brian McClare? Aye,
3: great. But he was a oh, terrible trainer, Chalky. Ah, <laughs> used to drive you mad because I used to say, you're doing that just to bloody annoy me, aren't you? And Chalky would just say, Aye. <laughs> you know, but you knew fine well when it came a Saturday that Chalky would produce as well. Mm-hmm. So you had to weigh all that up, you know. the Boys that would give their whole lot in training and stuff like that and, you know, really uh, work hard in the training. The other ones, then, they would do their training, but, uh, you know, they weren't maybe doing it that what you wanted. But you knew fine well that come a Saturday, then these boys... So you do a weight up like that, you know. Right, it's you, couldn't tough, be the- eh? you couldn't be the same with, uh, with, with them all,
4: you know. So, did you ever think you would get a sack? Was there a time that you thought we were getting sacked? Oh, God, aye, aye. A few times? Aye, aye. And in particular, you remember? Um,
3: well, we played uh, Sheffield Wednesday at Old Trafford, and I think there was only about 15,000 at the game or oh. something. And they gave the crowd out as 21,000. And um, I thought, of we're on a we're on a sticky nail here, you know, we're on a sticky mm-hmm. wicket here. But uh, no, managed to get through. Everybody said it went to the, the Nottingham For- Forest Forrest game. Nottingham Forest, when Mark Robbins scored. And we went on to win the cup that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we played Forest in uh first round, I think, or third round with it. And um, everybody said if they didn't win the day then, they're off. But Martin Edwards has said to Alec, coming off the bus, he says, no matter what happens, Alec, on uh, Saturday, you're still the manager of Man United on Monday.
4: Did he? Uh-huh. Yeah. Why well, did Martin, yeah. not Edwards, obviously seen someone in the two years. Uh-huh.
3: Well, I think I think it's the, the, the whole club, I think, saw the transformation in the club from grassroots level uh, all the way through, uh-huh. you know, and how it was being run. And uh, Alec wanted to, you know, produce a team similar to Matt Busby, mm-hmm. how Matt Busby had the Busby babes and stuff like that. And then you, after that, then they had the Fergus Fleslands and, you know. with the t-
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you.
1: To find out if it's right for you.
3: Team with the boys that came through and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm.
4: So, when did things start to turn then? When did you start to think we've nailed it? Did you need to change at all or was it just the players that changed? No,
3: it, it was just uh, just the players. Well, winning that cup.
4: Okay.
3: Um, did we lose the League Cup before that or was it after that? We lost to Sheffield Wednesday. The, uh... Ron, Ron, Ron Atkinson was the manager as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that was just. That was just on our, on our way, really. Uh-huh.
4: And then you mentioned the class of 92, Fre- Fergie's fledglings. Aye. Would you and Alex speak together and say what a, what a group of players we've got coming through? No, no, you will. Well, again,
3: uh, Giggs was the star. Uh-huh. Giggs was the star of all that. Now, Beckham was there at that time and when Beckham was uh, came for down London way, Essex way and stuff like that, and uh, he used to come to the hotel, right. Uh, David Beckham used to come with his mum and dad and sister mm-hmm. to the hotel on a Friday night, say we were playing at Chelsea or Tottenham or uh, Arsenal or wherever. And uh, he was always invited to the, to the hotel, have a meal with us. And and then in the, the following morning, Malcolm Fidgen, who was the scout from that area, he used to pick me up at the hotel and take me to where Beckham was playing. Uh, and I would watch Beckham play wow. uh, on the Saturday morning. And then he would drive me from the the match to the ground where we were playing, so we never wasted any time. And you know, then uh, and see and seeing all these guys, because mm-hmm. the ones that were out of town ones, then you only saw them when they come up at Easter or school holidays and stuff like that. And then we would get involved with them as well. Brian Kidden, uh, I would uh, take take these groups, mm-hmm. and Alec would come and watch. All these boys, you know, with Nick Barnby and uh, Robbie Savage and
4: all these guys that uh, that came to the training. So, see, when these guys eventually came in full time, say they were under sixteen, seventeens, would you take a part in their training as well? Or would you? No, leave? that was
3: I was done by Eric Harrison.
4: It, was he quite uh, tough on them as well? Ah, a Eric, a,
3: Eric. and Eric was very good. There was Brian Whitehouse and Eric Harrison. Brian took the reserves, and Eric Harrison took the took the youth teams and stuff like that, and they they were excellent with a
4: did he report back to you saying it. it oh, we, we we
3: always went. Uh, it was the same routine, mm-hmm. you know. When these lads started to play in the youth teams, the the B team, and uh, well, they would be in the A team at that time. Then uh, I would go and watch them on a Saturday morning. If we were at, if we were at home, their games would maybe pick, kick off at ten o'clock. We'd get their their games to kick off at ten o'clock so as we could see them and then go for a pre-match meal with the with the guys. That, Twelve or half eleven or something.
4: And would you report back to the manager how the boys done on the in the games?
3: Aye, aye uh-huh. well, Maybe no that particular day or anything like that. But I just every now and
4: again. Uh-huh. My favourite of all time is Schools. Well, can you remember him when he was aye, a kid?
3: God, aye, God, I remember him. He was a tiny wee lad and Scholes, I'm saying to myself, all I used to say to Brian Kid, "Is there any danger? Could you know, bring me bloody midgets all the time. You know, <laughs> any any boys that have uh, a bit of presence about them and stature about them." But, uh, schools, um, he, he was amazing how he come through because he didn't really have any stamina, he, w- he wasn't a pacey, he was a tidy footballer and stuff like that. And it was really a case of Brian Kidd managing to keep him there. Right. We we're saying, is he really going to make it, or you know? Mm-hmm. So, Brian Kidd, ah, he'll be a player, all right, you know.
4: Because you see, so many kids now get released at. 16 because the kind well,
3: of runners are well, smaller. Right? I mean now now nowadays when they take them what, six years of age mm-hmm. and stuff like that and, and then at ten years of his, you know, well there may be no, no I refuse to believe you can tell. You can tell the ones that are definitely no but but you know, laddies that are coming up because you don't know when they're gonna reach their peak. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them reach their peak at fourteen and that's it. And then other things come into play, you know, they're the schooling, uh, the girlfriends, the whole lot. So it was always a case, Alec always used to say to them, look, you can't be like your pals, you know. When you're coming as a footballer, you've got to make all the sacrifices if you want to be a top player. Mm -hmm. You can't be out on a Friday night, you can't be this, you can't be that. And if you don't follow that routine, then uh, we had a lad at Aberdeen, uh, who'd been caught out uh, up at Aberdeen and, uh, and he got sacked.
4: Sacked him, did he? Huh? Aye.
3: Wow. Restless. And that, that, uh, that really put the sort of... It laid down a marker for uh, all, uh, all the rest of the kids. Do uh, I really want to do this? Can I... You know, my pals are going out on a Friday or stuff like that then. But all these lads... And these lads, you know, if you look at schools, but Beckham... Uh, Naval Brothers, that sort of stuff. They all started on a youth training scheme. Uh, I think it was £26.34 a week they got. That, that's that's uh, what they were paid hungry, as younger uh-huh. apprentices.
4: See, just on Beckham, would you always know that he was a bit different to the rest, as in the fame and love, the glamour in it?
3: No, nothing no? like that. Quiet boy. Was he, I think? Absolutely quiet boy. And small. And when I used to go and watch him when he was 13 and 14, he was a wee dribbler, you know, he was a, but then he developed into how he could use the ball oh, and uh-huh. his crossing and his passing and stuff like that, free kicks, that was all That yeah. was all worth Do you it. I think
4: that's mad that you've watched David Beckham run about as a kid. So you look back now and think... Ah,
3: uh, well, I, I probably kept out of his road, that's how he, <laughs> that's how he made it a grade.
4: <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you as well is your time at Man United, you were going to sign Gaza.
3: Aye, that's right.
4: What happened there?
3: Well, uh, what happened there, because I I was going away on holiday and uh, Alec had said to me, he says, look, he says, that's us got Paul Gascoigne signed. I said, oh, brilliant. You know, it'd be a handful, but, you know, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And then all of a sudden, uh, I think Tottenham had offered his mum and dad a house in London or something like that and uh, they, they took that. See, known guys as you
4: know him now. Do if he did go to United to Ferguson, he'd have I think, have him
3: have been, yeah, I think him, Alec I would have been able to handle him uh, better than when the, the sort of life he was leading down in London. Uh-huh, they been perfect. Yeah, for yeah him. I'm sure.
4: So, what was behind your decision to leave Man United? Was it just Rangers?
3: Uh, well, I knew Walter. I played with Walter at Dundee United and stuff like that. And it was like everybody else. And you, know, you were a, a, an assistant. So you didn't get paid like what managers get paid or anything like what they get paid now. So I've got a wife and two kids, so Rangers made me a a better offer and a much better offer. So I had no alternative. Mm -hmm. I I was was stuck because, you know, you had a, a mortgage and all the rest of it. So I had to look after them and... That, that was the reason.
4: Was it disappointing leaving Man U, knowing what the players that were coming through?
3: Well, I I left the the week of the the Cup Winners' Cup final against Barcelona. Left left that week. That week. Was that not hard? Ah, of course it was hard. Aye, but that was the way it was. And well, how did Fergie take it? Uh, wasn't too happy at that time, no. <laughs> but
4: uh, oh, we've got to over all that. Sorry, you joined Rangers just before they defeated Aberdeen in the last day of 1991. Uh. Motherwell. How did that feel at uh-huh, Motherwell?
3: That was my first game uh-huh. at Motherwell. We lost three nil, and that was Aberdeen in pole position then to win the league. If they would beaten the Rangers at uh, Ibrox on the the following Saturday, then they 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 would have won the league. Uh-huh. So that was a big big game, especially for Walter. You know, then uh, no, that I think that was to four in a row or something like that. Uh-huh. And I remember coming in that day. Uh, and they were building the top deck in the stand uh, at Ibrox. And I'm walking past, and the boys are working away. And um, the boy, they always called me Knox. Hi, Knox. So uh, this boy shouts up, Hi, Knox. And I look down, and I says, Hi, what is it? And he says, You've made a big bloody difference, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way supporters were. Well.
4: Uh-huh classical
3: pattern aye aye that that type of thing I remember beating Hibbs at Rangers uh, 7-1 or Mm 7-0 at Ibrox and I used to try and come out with my coist because they would all be after him for his autograph and I would get away along to the school car park to to get my car so I'm running along there and uh, I hear this shout again hey Knox and I'm ignoring it so I keep on going hey Knox and this boy's coming running along and just and he's as he's getting to me. He's pointing to the stadium, and he says, "That's bloody ridiculous today. You allowing them to take their, take their feet off the pedal? That should have been <laughs> <laughs> 10. So win, eh? that, that was it. Uh-huh. You know, you'd won seven nothing or seven one. But the press, um, see, the
4: pressures at Rangers is just as big as the pressures at Man United.
3: Oh God, aye, uh-huh. absolutely, even more so. And at that time,
4: did that stand you in good stead having been at a big club like Man United? I, I
3: think so. I think I think so. Uh-huh. Because you, you know, you had to take that on your stride, if you like. Well you didn't he because I mean you got nervous like everybody is does before a game and that type of thing. So it was uh a bit great times.
4: How would uh, how would Walter change to when you played on to now being the Rangers manager?
3: Well Walter, Walter was a calmer, a calmer guy, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Walter, he would he would show his teeth now and again, there's no there's no doubt. Uh, uh, so is it, but he handled players really, really good, man manager. Mm-hmm. So as was Alec, identical uh, like that, and good tactical people as well. Mm-hmm. So he knew the game, knew how to handle individuals, and and get the best out of individuals. And at that time, we were fortunate that we could get the the good players, mm-hmm. and uh, and Rangers was an attraction for the likes of. Gascoins and loudrups and people like that.
4: Mm-hmm. See, when you got that phone in all, was, was your target between yourselves always to get nine?
3: No, you didn't. You, nah. It was every season. Just took it as it came. Yeah, to, uh, aye, uh, every, uh, every season.
4: Was it a set target to win a European trophy? Because you were pushing really hard to, to get top names in well, Europe in.
3: Aye, aye. And uh, we, we, never, we never quite uh, managed to get anywhere near that. Well, apart from the 93 Marseille, season. Uh, uh, Marseille.
4: Did they not get down with a, bit of a well better? Well, did, did you, you see
3: know any that, of that? Well, we saw Marseille against CSK Moscow mm-hmm. uh, that you know that we that we drew with, and uh, they beat six one. So there was all sorts of things went on that you know suggested that that, jo- that game maybe wasn't a, uh, all all it was wo- the, the real the real been, game. Uh,
4: aye. Did you think that team was good enough to win the European Cup?
3: Well, I mean, you, you you were up there and you'd you'd played uh, against the Marseilles with all the top players and uh, that they had and stuff like that. So you know, then uh, it, and you get to a final, you you never know what can
4: happen. Uh, was we just said that Rangers team was the best team in Britain at the time?
3: When you beat the champions, uh, England at the time, then that that gave you a right boost. Because mm-hmm. I went to watch Leeds against Stuttgart and Barcelona, and that was a playoff game. And I met them all in the hotel and all the directors and that thought they were past the post in terms of of qualifying. That was the impression you got, there was no doubt. Do you think they looked
4: their nose down about the Scottish game?
3: Well, maybe not the players, but uh, certainly the directors directors thought, ah, Leeds were Leeds United, we've won the English Championship, then uh, surely we can see off the off the Rangers once
4: uh-huh. uh, you mentioned the big names you could bring in there obviously I wouldn't need to ask about. You, you've told the stories about him before Gascoigne
3: oh unbelievable guy you know then uh, it was one day we were sitting in the office at Ibrox and Walter just all of a sudden said to me he says uh, just after lunchtime he so said would you sign Gascoigne I said so I'm ready to go oh, so I'm starting to explain the reasons why you would have Gascoigne and the reasons why you wouldn't eh, with the injuries and stuff like that mm. uh, and all the other things that surrounded Gaza at the time Walter says, look, I'm no interested he says, I know all that, right? would you sign Gascoin? and I says, I would sign So he says, right, I'm off and he was off that day and just doorsteped him in Rome
4: did he, huh?
3: went eh? to his went to his house, aye
4: eh? that's what happened can you remember the first time you met him?
3: Met uh, Gascoigne? Uh-huh. Oh, aye. oh God, aye. the day he signed and that sort of and when he went over there, Walter, uh, he had this big house and big bit of land and all the rest of it and uh, Walter says, i got in and he's on a quad bike trying to run down Jimmy Fivebellies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was doing. That's what he was doing and uh, and he just said to Gazi he says, look, he says I'm here for Rangers. He says, uh, "Would you like to sign for Rangers?" And uh, he said, "Aye, right away." He was he was happy to, happy to do that. Uh-huh.
4: Were you ever on the receiving uh, end of these windups?
3: ups plenty times. Plenty what times. Sort but of stuff but, but, but uh, I, I got them back. Um, oh, there would be. For instance, the game uh, against Hearts, we won five-one in the Cup Final, uh-huh. and. Um, Jimmy Bell, the kit man, came to me before we were leaving for uh, Hamden. Aye, that was Hamden that day, wasn't it? Aye. So, he says, uh, Gaz has not got a suit. I said, where's his suit? He says, he's left it at home. I said, for Gaz. I said, have you got a suit? I he says, but it'd be too big for him. I said, well. So, he had nothing. <laughs> no suit. So, I had, uh, in my locker, I had... Uh, I had a shirt, socks, underpants and a pair of shoes, right, that had been sold and healed, right? <laughs> They'd been lying in my locker for about five or six years and uh, they had buckles and that on them, you know. Mm-hmm. So I gave them all this to it. So he had, a, he had a suit that was maybe about three inches round the waist, too big for him. Jacket was too big for him. He got the collar tight and he had my buckled shoes in. So as we were getting off the bus at Hamden, I said to him, I says, look you. I says, get in between another couple of players. So then he see the state you're in, right? So he's walking between two players all the way in, and uh, and then he goes out onto the pitch, and he's kicking about with the young ball boys out on the pitch, and uh, the the commentary went, and Jock Brown says, and there's Paul Gascoigne having a kick around with the the, the ball boys in his four hundred pound Gucci shoes. <laughs> oh, this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, un- unbelievable. Uh-huh. But uh when we came back after the game, we used to we wouldn't lose a draw. We'd always have a, a a night at Ibrox, you know, uh-huh. uh, for the league or the cups or or, or whatever. And uh we'd go into a wee room where we used to change we all changed the one room, you know, the manager, assistant manager, all the coaches, mm-hmm. stuff like that, changed in the one room, so there was a, every morning there was a togetherness with everybody, uh, and anyway, it was a push-button thing, you know, four numbers that you had to push to get in, so, I th- heard the numbers getting pushed in, who walks in, going. I says, how the hell, do, how did you manage to get the numbers for that, and he says to me, he says, I oh, watched you putting them in yesterday. So, so <laughs> I says, well, you're getting nothing in here. He says, you going to get some beers? I says, we're going up the stair to have a dinner and, you know, and a shindig. I'm not going. I said, what do you mean, no, you're not going? I says, you have to go. No, he says, I, I promised the old boys out at, uh, at uh, it was out, can't I mind the name of the loch or something like that at, at uh, Johnson Way or something. He said, ah, he says, I promised the boys I, w- I would go fishing with them. So he took half a dozen beers and the suit and the buckle shoes and he went away fishing all night with these old pensioners and stuff Bro, like mean, that. Incredible. Was, it, was he
4: just large in life all the time? Ah, yeah. Just unbelievable. Did I ever get to a stage he was too much, though?
3: No, he was just... He, he was one of these boys... And McCoy's no, tell the story. I mean, he used to go along and break into McCoy's house, <laughs> him and Jimmy Fivebellies, and McCoy's did up his garage, and he had a, a, a like a memorabilia place, where he, all oh, his medals, and whatever, awards, and stuff like that, but he had a snooker table, so him and Jimmy Fivebellies, used to break into that, and uh, have a game of snooker, <laughs> but McCoy says one night, he's, what do you call it, he's in bed, with his wife, and uh He he wakes up, here's Gascoigne standing at the bottom of the bed with a snooker cue. Says, fancy a game, Ali.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was kind of the stuff that he got up to. How good was that dressing room? You mentioned McCoist and and Gascoigne and that as well. Was that a great, great? Oh, great great dressing room.
3: Great dressing room. Winners, everyone else.
4: So, what, carry on the dressing room, but soon it was on the training
3: pitch? They had all their bits, you know, uh, in the dressing room. I remember uh, the foreign players. Um, with the foreign players and uh, they you know uh, these days if you a Rangers player you turn up with a, a so- collar and tie uh-huh. aye yeah. suit or a jacket and tie and nah, that anyway no jeans or a, a, any
4: allowed and they all adhere to that no problem at all no nah, no, nah, never a problem uh-huh. see with their personalities so large in life did you need to be harder on them to stop the carry on or did no they no, on no
3: you encourage that you know as long as... The, the, the only thing that ever mattered was when they crossed that line on a Saturday.
4: Mm-hmm. And they
3: knew, when they were playing for Rangers at that time, that you have to win. Mm-hmm. You know, second, being a runner-up around like that was a failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, they accepted all that. And they were big enough players to to handle that
4: mm-hmm. uh, and get the results you, you needed. You see, guys like guys, was it more or worry when he left the training ground? about what he was up to? Did you never worry a bit about that?
3: Well, you, you, what do you call it then? You can't run their life for 24 hours a day, you know? Uh-huh. Then the bit is everybody would be different. Um, you know, you would get other ones that were maybe doing different things or having wee jobs on the side or, or whatever, or part of businesses or something. Uh-huh. And then there'd be others that would go away a snooker or, or whatever. Um, but you knew that they would they would be right for the Saturday, Saturday get themselves right for the Saturday
4: another player I wanted to ask you about was Gattuso remember you spoke about him when I was younger God, what I, sort of player was he when he first came on
3: well I mean he, he was one of he, we signed him from Perugia mm-hmm. now there was a thing that happened in Italian football where uh, young players had to play I think it was 10 or 12 games uh, in the first team before they got offered a professional contract now I think Gattuso at that time had played 10 games and we got to know about him through an agent and um, he'd what, be 18 or the uh, time or mm-hmm. 17 or 18 and uh, managed to get him uh, to come over uh, um, and, and sign for Rangers and it was uh, remarkable mm-hmm. and he was one of these well, the ball was like a magic uh, like a magnet to mm-hmm. Gattuso Wherever, he, wherever the ball was, he was there. He had the energy to be over that pitch. And he would be able to, you know, everybody got the encouragement for that. He'd be able to hurry up the opposition, no matter where the ball was. You know, if it was with a right back in that, all of a sudden Gattuso would appear from midfield and put the, the full-back under pressure. Mm-hmm. So that gave the encouragement to everybody in the team to be... To be yeah, after uh, it, uh, you know they like Ibrox would uh, as well, to give the, uh, the they, they guys, would, uh, he would be the trigger for them all to move and, and be up against opponents and that type of thing. Uh,
4: See, like a young guy like him Would Gascoigne help him. Is aye, same absolutely. Is uh, he good like that? Oh, uh, aye,
3: aye. Aye. He was very good at that with the young boys Gascoigne.
4: Because he wasn't a great passer, at, was he?
3: No, he wasn't. But you know, then um, you know what he what he gave to the team mm-hmm. in terms of winning the ball back and tackling and stuff like that. Then that's a major thing you, you mm-hmm. need in your team.
4: Did you did you think he had gone on the career he did?
3: Well, it was it was uh, it was hard to know at that time mm-hmm. because I think when Dick came, then um, you know I think Dink played him wide right and thought that was the position for him. We never ever thought it was right in the middle where he pitch. could get about the get about the pitch. Mm-hmm. That was the main thing for him.
4: Great player. Uh, one last person he asked you about, he's been on, his interview was brilliant, it was uh, McCoyst. Oh. How good a guy was he to hear about the dressing? Him?
3: Oh, fantastic. Absolutely. Late for everything. Absolutely. Never early for anything. You oh, know. He was
4: late for the interview as well. He
3: was late for the interview. Anyway. No, well, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me at least. I mean, he, he, was, he was. He was late for everything. But what a, what a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I tried to sign him for Dundee when I was manager at Dundee. And uh, Dundee had beaten Rangers in the Cup here. Uh, In fact, we beat Rangers in the Cup two years running. And uh, in the first game here at Ibrox, then um, on the Monday I went on to Jock Wallace and tried to sign him, but... Obviously, uh, Dundee couldn't afford him. Uh, or whether he would have come to Dundee, no, I don't know. Wait, anyway, Dundee's not glamouring us for Alex. No, 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 prob- probably not.
4: <laughs> See, you but all what, that a, time? what a player. Was he brilliant? Aye, uh, just in the penalty box. Uh, uh,
3: unbelievable, unbelievable finisher. Mm. And when you had Mo- Morris Johnson and him, you know, they'd be looking to put the same ball in the net. Mm-hmm. You know, the two of them, went to the posts and stuff. Morris would maybe make runs wider or something like that. But the nearer the ball came to the goal, the nearer alley came to between the posts. Uh-huh, I loved that it. was his territory. Uh-huh.
4: See you at that time at Rangers, who'd who have been the best at, at what time? Didn't you? Your favourite
3: players? Uh huh. Oh, f- I couldn't separate them. Honestly, I mean, in terms of in terms of flair and uh, you know the supporters' adoration for these boys, gas going and loudrup and stuff. Uh-huh. But the the same thing for McCoy, you know. Uh-huh. McCoyst and Haightley, You
4: personally, so who did you enjoy watching the most?
3: Uh, well, uh, for the eye, you know, in terms of what they did, uh, Gascoigne and, and Loudrock, you know, and beating people and, you know, getting people off their seats, you know, whenever they got on the ball, then, the, I mean, the, whenever McCoyst got, got, the ball got towards the penalty area, the people would get up off their seats, mm. but they would get the, I mean, Gascoigne's third goal against, Aberdeen in one of the seasons where he ran for the halfway line and then bent it in the top corner with his left foot mm-hmm. you know then everybody's whenever he's crossed the halfway line he's going to be going himself here mm-hmm. all the way so uh, you know then um, th- these guys
4: See guys like Louder up Gascon do you just let them go and play? More or less mm-hmm.
3: and you know you know what uh, with Gaza um, he, w- he was one of these boys that he was nervous as a kitten you know in the dressing room until his name actually came out that
4: he wasn't going to be playing that he,
3: wasn't, he might not be playing aye wow I'm telling you and he used to be uh, he would be sitting there and he'd be off fidgety and stuff like that and Walter would go and maybe Trevor Ste- Trevor Stephen Gascoigne whenever his name was mentioned that was him the jacket came off down to there right the shirt was loosened the tie was off that, they were all sitting down at his waist the trousers were off and down at his ankles. The shoes had been kicked off. And Waller used to say to him, Is there any bloody chance you could listen to one word that we are saying? <laughs> and, uh, you know, just as. So whenever he knew he was playing, that was him focused in the game. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to hear anything about anything else, you know. I says, I'm listening, I'm
4: listening. Probably, eh? Aye. Uh, nine in a row. What was the, the mindset going into last year? Was it just win at all costs?
3: Aye, absolutely. Was it tough? Aye, aye. It was tougher the following year when we lost. The, uh, when we lost it. Why did you, no you lose it that year? Well, after there was various reasons. I think at the end of that year, then uh, first of all, there was a thing where Walter and I were leaving, or Walter was leaving anyway. Uh, so I was leaving with Walter, right enough. But I mean, no, no, it's so important me leaving, but uh, with Walter leaving, and a lot of the players, maybe there was eight or nine players all going at the end of that season as well. Mm. Uh, and they knew that Walter was leaving. So I just felt that we just never had the edge it would had had in previous seasons. Mm. Although we lost second last game, I think, here, to Kilmarnock, that really put the... Do uh,
4: you think if he'd never came out and said he was leaving, would it have been
3: a... I don't know that, but uh, I mean, uh, I would have believed that. Yeah. I would have certainly believed that, but you know, then you, you can never say that would, that would have been the case.
4: See, just on the nine in a row, how good was that feeling to get in the nine?
3: Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. No, that I was only here for the six or seven, but, you know, then uh, it was still great every year. Was it
4: stressful to her uh,
3: Aye. That nine in a row game at Parkhead, where we won, and Durant scored, I think. Uh, I remember we were walking out because I used to wait and all oh, the players would go out. Walter and I would be the last two out and shake your hand, all the best, the usual sort of stuff that goes on. And uh, I'm walking along the corridor and I'm saying to Walter, I think my heart is going to come out through this jersey. I really do. He says, well, I'm exactly the bloody same. <laughs> 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 so uh, you got you got right uh, uptight. Well, not so much uptight, but nervous about it.
4: Did you enjoy the Celtic Rangers guys?
3: Could you Aye? enjoy them? Could you? Huh? Well, you you you, you could in, in one way because of the atmosphere of both sets of supporters and stuff like that. They, these were f- fantastic, and if you ask if you ask anybody, I mean, I've been involved in, well, Man City, Man United derby, Liverpool Everton derby, used to be Millwall and in West Ham um, derby, uh-huh. all that sort of thing. But there was nothing. There was nothing compared to. A Celtic Rangers derby,
4: no. No. just for noise and for passion. Aye, right? aye absolutely. See, week up, do, do you change your, your plans as
3: no. a manager team or? No, no, there's never any, there's never any bit
4: about that. No. Would you need to let the foreign players know how much it meant, or with would, would the boys? They wouldn't. They wouldn't
3: be. They? be aye, they, they got to know quite quickly, and mm-hmm. you know they would maybe see games and that anyway. Mm-hmm. Although you can't really sort of uh, understand it until you're right in front of it. But these were all sort of big players anyway. You know, Amoriso and Perini and yeah. uh, people like that, they, they'd played in big games in Italy and that, that type of thing.
4: Uh, See, so just on uh, 10 in a row as well, why, why, did, why did you decide to leave? You and Walter, why were you leaving?
3: It was just a case, I think, the chairman did uh, uh, wanted, to, wanted to make a change and maybe have somebody that uh, was maybe going to make a bigger impact in, in Europe and that sort of thing. Did
4: that come as a shock to you?
3: No, I think I think I think uh, Walter had said, well, fair enough, and that's fair enough. Then uh, we, we, we were quite we were quite happy at the at the
4: end of the day. And how would you look back on your time at Rangers?
3: Oh, fantastic time! I've been so lucky in football. There's no question, you know, getting to Sam Smith at Forfar, Alec Ferguson at Man United, and and Aberdeen, and then going to Walter Smith at uh, Rangers, and then at Everton. Uh-huh. You know, so I've been lucky, and then guys, guys that were players uh, with me, Richard Goff, even at Livingston, Eric Black at Coventry, Mark McGee at Millwall, Sammy Lee and you. You uh, what,
4: what do you think it is about you that, that these guys like? Why why they will take you with them?
3: I don't know. Just what do you call it? Uh, just somebody that kept on the move in case people found me out.
4: <laughs> no chance. <laughs> that was, no chance. That, that would be about it. <laughs> do, you, do you ever wish that you'd went on it alone? Uh, well, I did at Dundee. Yeah, I, did it I mean it more.
3: No, not really, because the reason I went from Dundee back to Aberdeen, I missed that bit. I missed the winning part of it, you know?
4: Uh-huh.
3: And uh, I missed that uh, being constant contact with the players on the on the training pitch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I did that at Dundee with Jockey Scott obviously but I mean then uh, I missed the uh, I missed, I missed a bit where, right, you know, this season we can win that league or we can win the win the cup or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that gave you that gave you the boost. That gave you really something to to go for. Mm-hmm.
4: Just when you left Rangers you went to Everton? First, uh, the last team I won at Anfield, nineteen years. Yeah, how proud are you of that? And are you surprised? Well, that, well,
3: well, you are surprised because, you know, David, um, David Moyes had a, a good spell there as well, mm-hmm. but they, they never managed to conquer that. And uh, no, that was that, that was great. What great, do you remember that. about it? Yeah? a great, a great, great club ever. Fantastic mm-hmm. club, great support, great fan base, the whole lot, um, but. At that particular time, then they were having a Financial, you know, financially uh-huh. having uh-huh. a tough time. at but that and game we didn't really know. What
4: do you remember for that game? The
3: the the derby one, the derby oh, game.
4: Uh-huh.
3: Kevin Campbell scored, and uh, we signed Kevin Campbell from was it Besiktas or Fernvaric or something like that, and uh, yeah, and, was and it he scored. Uh-huh. Aye, and uh, oh no, you know, it was as if you'd won. Win the, World, win the World Cup you know with the supporters and uh, couldn't get them to leave the stadium at the end of the game and all, all that kind of stuff brilliant yeah it was a fantastic fantastic atmosphere
4: do you wish you'd got Everton at a better time for the club uh,
3: aye uh, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah, you... because uh, oh, uh, be, you know, we'd be sitting here another hour for a story about Everton you know and yeah. what went on at Everton a great, a great club Great people that worked in the club the whole lot but uh, you know the backbone of the club was that it wasn't right at that time.
4: Last question actually obviously I've touched on you being a number two what do you think makes a good number two?
3: Uh, do as you're told. <laughs> um, no, people ask you that question and the simple answer to this is do your job and uh, support the manager so the manager trusts you. Absolutely trust you. Uh, that you're no going behind back. You're not saying, oh, that's not the team I would have picked or any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whenever a team was picked, then you were solidly behind that. and uh, Never had any sort of qualms about anything like that. Never.
4: Uh-huh.
3: Um, OK, uh,
4: and uh, what are you doing now? Out of football for a while now? Uh, I've been it?
3: for a while. Did it start, did it start. Uh-huh. But I still go to the games. I mean, it's still... Uh, I, I live in Newton Mearns and I can, watch the, I can watch the half past 12 game uh, on the telly on a, a Saturday uh, I can go to St Mern or Falkirk or Rangers or something like that and be back for the half past 5 game at night so that's a Saturday sorted so you can't, can't be a bad can it or I go away down to England and uh, you always get well looked after down there
4: Archie, top Topman, thanks very much
3: no other Simon cheers, great mate. stuff cheers all the best
0: We're living in nice. And we're going to drop into downward-facing dog. Yeah, I have. Hang on. I I have three kids, and and sorry now, I'm just a little bit upside down here.
2: Want to talk life insurance while doing yoga in your living room? Now you can. Chat from home, by video, or phone with your financial broker or advisor about protecting your family with Irish Life. Get peace of mind knowing they're protected and really strengthen your core at the same time. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If you've been waiting for an amazing deal on a used car, your wait is over with the Renault Selection offer. A 4.9% APR low-rate finance offer means you save over €1,000 with Renault Bank versus the majority of high street banks. Plus, you get a minimum three years warranty and three years roadside assistance across our full Renault car range. Renault Selection, a new standard in used cars. Visit your local Renault dealer today. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.